thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I want to start this morning by clearing up some rumours that have been going around about me, okay? I want to, I want to just get, get it straight because I'm sick and tired of people saying these things about me, okay? I want everybody to know that I am not anti Christmas, okay? I am not the Grinch. I am not a Scrooge. I am, in fact, passionate about celebrating Christmas. I just feel like it's been diluted a little bit because when we spread it across December, November, October, September, some of you, I feel like it just dilutes the enjoyment of Christmas. And I'm, I passionately believe that Christmas shouldn't be longer than three to four weeks. And I want to I wanna make sure that I enjoy it. And I, as I get older, I feel like Christmas comes around too quickly. It feels like it's every 10 months rather than every year. And so, I'm, in fact, I would be up for proposing when I become, when I become leader of the world... Which will happen one day, I promise. I, I am up for proposing Christmas every other year. Ooh. Hear me out. So, some of you are thinking about leaving the church off the back of that. Hear me out. It does my head in that Easter moves every year. Why, why do we celebrate Easter based on what the moon's doing? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, Easter's a bit late this year, isn't it? Drives me mad. So, on the even years on the 25th of December... We celebrate Christmas, and on the odd years, we celebrate Easter on the 25th of December. Then we never get confused about when Easter is. Then Christmas comes around every other year. Your enjoyment of Christmas is concentrated and stronger. Like, people love the World Cup because it only happens every four years. If it happened every other year, you wouldn't like it as much. I've lost a lot of people, haven't I? A lot of you are like, get Leon, Leon, get him off now. Like... I know lots of people aren't where I am with it, and I'm not genuinely suggesting that, of course I'm not. But I really enjoy Christmas, and Christmas becomes about loads of lots of other things, and I actually think we don't need Christmas um, in the way that we think that we need it, because it can become a lot about the stress and the things to sort and the things to wrap and the things to buy and the things to cook. In fact, Christmas can be stressful, can't it? Christmas is so tricky for so many different reasons. And, you know, I want to suggest that we can do without it, okay? And go with me on this one. You see, there was a time before Mariah Carey. There was a time before Michael Bublé and Kevin McAllister. There was a time before Tinsel and Turkey and you know, pigs in blanket. There was a time before all of that. And in fact, in a, just a few weeks, the tree that you've put up and decorated brilliantly will lie dead in your back garden. The films that you will be watching on Netflix will no longer be festive classics, but they'll be the normal series that you've gone back to watch. And in just a few weeks' time, all of that will have disappeared. And some of you might be sat there listening and watching and thinking, but I just need Christmas this year. I need some time off. I need that new iPad that I've been wanting for a long time. I need time on my own. I need a restriction-free Christmas please, Jesus. We want those things, but I think actually there's a difference between need and want. And that's what I want to focus on today. And in fact, I reckon some of you are probably watching and listening and thinking, I could do without Christmas this year. You're thinking about the empty chair that's going to be round your table of that person that's no longer around. You're thinking about the financial stress that it can cause you. You're thinking about the tension that always occurs when that person is round for Christmas tea. 
And you see, what we want and what we need are two really, really different things. And thousands of years ago, before Buble and Mariah Carey, in fact, before the original Christmas, a guy called Isaiah gave a prophecy. And he gave it to the nation of Israel. And what they thought they needed at the time was actually not what they needed. You see, they wanted this saviour who was going to be like a knight in shining armour, who was going to be a warrior and lead them into battle. That was what they thought they needed at the time. But actually what Isaiah prophesied was what they really needed. And he prophesied it in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, none of us need Christmas if it's all about tinsel and buble. None of us need it if it's all about turkey and presents. None of us actually need that. But if Christmas is about the Saviour who was born on a mission to reunite a lost world with the God that created it, then that's the Christmas we need. You see, I don't need Christmas this year, but I need the Saviour who's born at Christmas. And I tell you what, I need it, you need it, and the people out there need it. You see, we need Christmas and and we need the Saviour that's born at Christmas. And so I want to look at those four names that Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be and look at how we need the Saviour this Christmas. The first is Wonderful Counselor. Every story needs a wonderful counsellor, a wise aide, somebody who's there as a companion for the journey. The obvious one in Lord of the Rings is Gandalf, isn't it? He's the wise one who comes in and tells everybody what to do and how to react and how to defeat the enemy. If you've watched Money Heist on Netflix, you've probably learned a bit of Spanish. Um, But the professor who's in another room elsewhere, he's instructing the bank robbers on what to do and how to do and this next step and we're going to activate this plan. Or if you've watched Prison Break, Michael Schofield, he's got the, the blueprints of the prison tattooed on his body and he's leading this prison break and all the prisoners look to him for guidance to sort out the next phase of the plan. Or somebody who's got a really good, difficult job at the moment being a wonderful counsellor is Chris Whitty. Don't you feel sorry for him this week? Oh my goodness. Like We need to pray for him probably more than anybody right now. Next slide, please. Thank you. You see, we should all have stuff. We should all have people that we bounce stuff off, shouldn't we? We should all have people that we go to for advice, to go, I'm thinking about doing this, I'm thinking about reacting like this, or I'm thinking about going out with that person, or whatever it is. We should all have people in our lives. And I want to suggest that Jesus is a wonderful counsellor, and Jesus is a great aid for your journey that is called life. And the first reason that I think Jesus is a wonderful counsellor is that he's understanding. Jesus is literally God in human form. Like God put on skin and moved to earth so that we could know him, so that he knew what it was like to be what he created. The Bible said he was tempted in every way. And in fact, in Psalm 139, it says this. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high that I cannot attain it. You see, God understands you. 
Jesus understands what it is to be human, what it is to go through the things that we go through. You know, you know when you see somebody or, uh, that you haven't seen in a while and it's like that sense of familiarity of like you haven't seen them in three years, but you get together and it's like you, you saw each other last week. It's like that with God. God knows us and understands us. You know, the people in your life who you can't wind up, uh, I get this a lot, I like to wind people up, but the people who I'm closest to know when I'm trying to wind them up now and I have to work harder to wind them up because they know me and they understand me. And you see, God has that relationship with you. He knows and understands you. He knows the words you're going to say before they're on your lips. The second reason why Jesus is a wonderful counsellor is that he's wise. Jesus is literally God in human form. God is all-knowing, and so Jesus is wise. He knows just what to do. My dad is a plumber's merchant and um, really familiar with plumbing stuff, and so whenever something goes wrong in our house plumbing-wise, I'm on FaceTime, and I've got my phone underneath the sink, and I'm like, Dad, what's the problem here? What's, what's the link? And my dad literally gets me to do plumbing via FaceTime. It's like interactive um, FaceTime plumbing. And, and you see, I call my dad because he's wise in the area of plumbing. He's wise in other areas as well. Um, but he's wise in the area of plumbing because he knows just what to do. And so when plumbing goes wrong in our house, my dad is the person that I turn to. And you know, Jesus is the wisest person to ever live. If you don't believe me, read the Gospels. Jesus just dropped bomb after bomb of wisdom, and it's incredible. When people are trying to stone a woman for being caught in adultery, they turn to Jesus, and Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. What a piece of wisdom. When they're trying to catch him out to, to kind of be, be anti-government, he says, give to Caesars, to Caesar what is Caesars. You see, he's wise, he's a wonderful counsellor because he knows what to do. And I think there's a difference. I was talking with, with my crew in youth about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. See, knowledge is about knowing stuff and knowing the right things, but actually wisdom is about applying it. And Jesus had knowledge and wisdom. And so I wonder, could we be open to the wisdom of the wonderful counsellor? Could we be open to, to Jesus speaking into and guiding us and saying, should I comment on that Facebook post or not? Should I go for that job or not? Should I wear that outfit? Should I flirt with that co-worker? Should I spend that money that I don't have on the presents that I want to buy for people? Let's be open to the wisdom of the wonderful counsellor. And finally, the reason why Jesus is a wonderful counsellor, is that he's present. You know, Rick Warren, who's a pastor in America, went through an awful tragedy of his son dying, and I listened to a podcast of him talking about it, and he, he said, you know, a word to pastors who are trying to lead people through a process of grief. He said, step one, you show up and you shut up. And he said, there is nothing that you can say or do that makes the situation any better, but you're just there. And you see, Jesus is a wonderful counsellor because he's present. You know, the best gift that we get this year, the best present, is his presence. And in fact, two chapters earlier in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right throughout the Bible, Jesus promises to be with us. In fact, he says it to his disciples. He says, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. See, Jesus is a wonderful counsellor because he's present. The second thing that Isaiah prophesied was that Jesus would be a mighty God. 
You know, I went to a, a went, was invited to kind of go to a guerrilla Christian event a few years ago in a, in a school. And this one girl put her hand up and said, Andy, we don't need God right now. The, the way the world has gone, you know, we, we've got all these developments, all this technology, we're self-sufficient now. We don't need this God that you talk about as a crutch. We would disagree with that, wouldn't we? A couple of nods. So I think three people disagreed with that. You see, God is strong and powerful. He is almighty. You know, I said in, uh, you know, a few weeks ago that I'm, I'm pragmatic. I like to jump to what I can do. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of forgetting that I'm not a mighty God. That I jump into situations and I go, I can solve this. I can sort it. I can do it. I'll fix it. I'll admin my way out of this problem. Whatever it is, I jump in and actually I've got to remember that I'm not a mighty God. That there's only one mighty God and his name is Jesus. You know, even though Jesus was fully human, he was also fully God as well. And he did the miraculous right throughout the Gospels. You can read miracle after miracle after miracle. You know, about 15 years ago, a song came out that was called Mighty to Save. And it was going off in churches around the world. It really anthemic song. Spoiler alert, we're going to sing it together um, at the end of the service. But... At the time, I was working in prison. Um, I was working in prison, not in prison, but working in prison. In fact, there's, there's, there's a picture of me several chins ago um, when, <laughs> working alongside. It's depressing, isn't it, when you see yourself younger and skinnier. It's horrible. Um, that's me working alongside, looking like a young offender. There were several times where I, where I nearly got taken back to the wing, okay, because I looked so much like a prisoner. And, you know... At the time, that song was going off and I would love it and I would stand in church going, God, I believe that you're mighty to save. I believe that you can move mountains. But I'm not seeing young offenders' lives transformed. I'm not seeing young offenders make commitments to follow you. So Jesus, can you do it or what? And I had this wrestle for a, a long time. Any time that song was sing, sung, that was my prayer and my conversation with God. And uh, fast forward to a year or so later, I was invited to a baptism at a Young Offenders Institute. And I was quite dubious of it, if I'm honest. I was a little bit cynical of it. But I went and seen these, these three lads get baptised. One scouser and two monks. It sounds like the start of a joke, that. Um, but these three lads got up and they shared their testimonies like we heard last week on this very stage. And they were baptised in the prison. And it was an amazing service. And at the end, we were in this chapel. There was like 20 of us. At the end, the, the guy leading worship, he said, I haven't prepared any songs so are there any requests? And I'm stood there going, why have you asked that? We're in a prison chapel and there's young offenders in the room. Why would you ask if there's any requests? Do you know? I was like, you stupid idiot. And the scouse lad who got baptised goes, goes, from right behind me, goes, hey, Simon, you got that mighty to save? That's a banger, that one, you know. <laughs> and Simon goes, Simon goes, oh, I, uh, I haven't got the chords for that. We'll, I, we'll have to sing it a cappella. And I was like, you absolute moron, what are you doing? And so he started singing it. And honestly, it was the worst rendition of Mighty to Save you have ever heard in your entire life. Do you know, his scouts are just going, Saviour, he can move the mountain. Like, it was horrendous. But I stood there in that prison chapel and I went, God, you are Mighty to Save. You can move mountains. And here is a moment where the, literally the thing that I'd wrestled about, the thing that I prayed about, God, you're doing it right now. You see, Jesus is a mighty God because he can do miracles. If you need the miraculous in your life today, 
Let me tell you, God is a mighty God that can move. God is mighty to save. And we want to pray for you at the end of the service. And there's this great moment of Jesus doing the miraculous when he feeds the 5,000. And this great moment where this little boy brings his pack lunch and he almost says, Jesus, is there anything that you can do with this? I can see that there's thousands of people wanting to be fed. Is there anything that you can do with what I've got? And you know, this is how we operate. We bring the little that we have to offer and we offer it to Jesus who is a mighty God and say, can you do something miraculous with it? And so next week, the spectacular might be a little bit spectacular and it's basically us going, we're bringing our pack lunch to you, Jesus. And we're saying, we've prepared this stuff. We're, we're, we're inviting people. I've prayed about it. I've, I've given out cards. I've done what I can do. Jesus, would you do what only you can do? And so next week, we're going to pray. And we're going to do, I was going to say, we're going to dance, but I'm not going to dance. Not this Christmas. Uh, you know, we're going we're to do performances on this stage. You're going to invite your friends and your family. And it's us bringing our little pack lunch and saying, Jesus, you're almighty God. Would you do what only you can do? Because none of us are saviors. Nobody in this room is a saviour. Nobody watching in Rowley or online is a saviour today. The only saviour is Jesus. And so one of the things that you can do is on the way out, this is only for the people in the room today, um, is Alpha are doing a 21-day prayer campaign. You can take one of these on your way out and you can just write the names of three people on, on this thing and uh, you can commit to pray for them for 21 days. And it says about setting an alarm for 11.02 because it links to Luke 11.02. You can read that in your own time. And it's just a prayer to pray for people. You know, you can do that and do your version of a little boy's pack lunch and on the way out, our hosting team will give you those if you want one. The third thing that, uh, that Isaiah prophesies about Jesus is that he will be an everlasting father. And I know people listening right now, almost your heart will sink because father is a difficult concept to you. Whether it's that they've passed away recently or whether father has been always just been a difficult a story in your life. You know, so many of our world is looking for a father figure. And let me tell you this, it's not Father Christmas. You see, I love what Psalm 68 says when it says this, that God sets the lonely in families. I'm passionate about that verse because, you know, if you have, if you have got difficulties in father, God wants to be your father. Jesus says, I am an everlasting father. And he wants to adopt us into his family. But actually, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? Because we know that Jesus is known as the Son. And like, why is he being called Everlasting Father? Actually, it's, it's more about his role than it is. Sorry, it's more about his character than it is about his role. And so if we think about the characteristics of a good father, a good father is a provider. And Jesus promises to meet all of our needs, not our wants, do you know what I mean? If you're sat there going, I need a red Ferrari, mm, I doubt you do. Unless, unless you're in the Formula One Championship, you're not needing a red Ferrari. You know, a good father is a protector. A good father says no sometimes. You know, Leon talked about, when we talked about building stronger families, about that, that love and limits seesaw. Sometimes Jesus might say no to what you're asking because he knows that I need to protect you from that. You see, a good father is a participator. Jesus isn't just stood on the sidelines watching us try to do what we're doing and just standing back and watching you talk to your friends about him. 
He wants to be actively involved. As a kid, I loved it when I got to help my dad with the decorating or help my dad wash the car. I know I was useless. Do you know what I mean? I know that I was rubbish at it, but it made the difference to me that I could participate in what my dad was doing. And Jesus invites us to participate with him, not for him, but with him. See, Jesus wants to participate with us. He's not distant and watching from the side. And the, a good father, the final thing, I mean, it's not all of it, but the final thing that I've written down is that Jesus prepares us. In John 16, verse 33, he says to his disciples, and he's saying it to us as well, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That one's coming in a moment. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, Sam Chandu, who wrote a book called Leadership Pain, he, he said this, problems are God's curriculum for those who want to excel. Can I suggest, maybe the thing that you're going through that is difficult right now, that Jesus is using to prepare you for the future that he's got for you. Not every single situation, but maybe the thing that you're going through, the challenging situation at work, maybe God wants to use it to put something in you to prepare you for the future that he's leading you into. And so maybe we don't run from it, but we say, God, what are you doing in this situation? You see, in Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, he's not just an everlasting father at Christmas. He's always being an everlasting father to us. I didn't reach 18 and go, Dad, you're now called Robert to me. I'm 35, I still call me Dad, Dad. And Jesus is always being an everlasting father. The final thing that Isaiah prophesies is Prince of Peace. You know, we talked quite a lot about peace and about mental health recently. And in Matthew 6, Jesus goes on a little bit of a rant about peace and, uh, sorry, about worry. And he says this, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about tomorrow, he goes on to say, uh, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I've kind of smushed a very long passage into one paragraph there. But you know, Jesus goes on this big rant almost about worry and you can read it and be forgiven for thinking that Jesus is angry with us for worrying. That's not what's going on here. You see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so his direct enemy is the worry that wants to steal the peace from us. And so Jesus isn't angry at you for worrying. He's angry at worry itself. And Jesus, in the midst of our worry, wants to give us peace. Later on in the Bible, it refers to it as a peace that passes all understanding. It's so like big that we can't understand every aspect of it. John Orberg says this, that peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. See, Jesus being the Prince of Peace doesn't promise that your life will be perfect. Jesus already said that in this world you will have trouble, but he promises to give us peace. And I think that Jesus in you wants to bring peace through you as well. Last Saturday, I, uh, I went to see Liverpool play Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, we won in the last minute, thanks to a Divock Origi 95th minute goal. Um, but I got the train um, and I got on at Rowley and then uh, changed at Smethwick Galton Bridge. Got on the train from Smethwick to Wolverhampton. I had my earphones on. I was listening to a podcast. It was a really holy podcast about Liverpool. And uh, I could hear shouting. 
And as I got on the train, I could hear this shouting, and I was trying to focus on my podcast. And then as the shouting got louder and louder, I got next to this, this set of seats where there was a younger gentleman and an older gentleman. And as I turned to look at the shouting, the younger lad, who was probably mid-20s, started punching the old fella in the head. And I was like, oh my, as soon as I registered what was going on, I tried to step in and calm it down. Managed to get in between the young lad and the, and the older guy. It was all about wearing a mask, for goodness sake. And I stepped in, managed to slightly calm down the younger lad. He tried to start on me and I thought, I'm not going there, mate. And uh, I managed to get him calmed down, sat down, like I thought I'll sit near so in case it kicks off again, I can, I can be there. And it, it all got calm and I thought, right, I'll put my podcast back on. Just as I was about to put my earphones back in, some, some other lad walks down the train and goes, who's beat up an old fella? And I'm like, oh my word. It was like a Netflix drama. The entire train pointed at this one young lad. I was like, I'm not a grass, I'm not pointing at anyone. <laughs> and next minute, this lad who'd come down the train started beating the young lad up. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, what is going on? And so I, I let a few punches go because I thought the lad deserved it. I'm joking. <laughs> but as soon as I could, I, I kind of I stepped in. And as I, as I got involved, the train inspector arrived. We managed to, to separate them. And the train inspector said to me, could you, could you just give a statement? And so I went, I got on the off, the, off of the platform at Wolverhampton and I'm stood on Wolverhampton train platform with British Transport Police and I'm thinking, if anyone from Life Central sees me now, <laughs> this is going to go really, really wrong. And so I phoned Laura and I was like, you will not believe the journey that I've just had to the game. It was ridiculous. And she was like, oh, you're right, little peacemaker, you. And, you know, as I think about that phrase, you know, Jesus, the Prince of Peace who resides in us, I believe Jesus wants to bring peace through us. I, I've been so frustrated watching the news this week. I'm sure you have as well. I just our world is so angry and frustrated and some of it is rightly angry, but, you know, how do we add our voice to that? How do we speak into this world and our nation that just feels an absolute mess, an absence of morality? I need to be careful not to go off script here because I'll say something I shouldn't. But you know, I just believe that Jesus wants us to be peacemakers and peace bringers. And so maybe in the, in the situations in your family that are going to be tense this year, maybe you could pray that the Prince of Peace will bring peace through you. How can you bring, be a bringer of peace because what we need this Christmas isn't a bit more Mariah it's not a bit more Buble it's not you know love actually what we need is the wonderful counsellor the mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace we don't need all the fluff that's around Christmas we need the saviour who was born at Christmas on a mission to reunite a lost world with the God that created it and so who needs Christmas? If it's about that, then I do. You do. And they do out there. And so I want to give us a moment to have an encounter with the Saviour that is born at Christmas. And so if you're in the room or at Raleigh, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And we're just going to take a moment and maybe... Maybe one of those four things really resonated with you or 
You just know you need to meet with Jesus today. And maybe you know, I find it helps to hold my hands out in front of me just as a sign to say, I'm ready to meet with you. And I've said enough. You don't need to hear my voice anymore. But maybe you need to hear the voice of the Saviour who died for you. And so Jesus, we pray that you would make us more aware of your presence. We know that you're already here. Jesus, would you speak to us? And we're just going to wait for a couple of moments. Maybe there's some situations that are coming up in your heart and mind that you want to say, Annie, I need the wisdom of the wonderful counsellor. I need a mighty God. I need to know you as an everlasting father. I need the prince of peace. Phyllis right to, to pray for people who feel like they need God to be a mighty God I don't know whether you need the miraculous whether it's healing or breakthrough in a situation maybe it's for a job maybe it's just something that you know that there's nothing you can do but you need God to do what only he can do if that's you we'd love to pray for you and so I'd ask you to just just stick your hand in the air if that's you. Thank you. It's great. And we just want to pray for you. And if you're watching in Rowley, we want to encourage you to, to stick your hand in the air as well. And we want to pray for you. So keep your keep your hand in the air and maybe people around you don't don't get too close, but maybe stretch out a hand. And we're gonna call on the Saviour who is mighty to save. And a call on the Jesus who is a mighty God. Father God, we pray that you would move in these situations. Jesus, we need you to do what only you can do. And so God, I pray in Jesus' name for healing. Jesus, I pray that by the power of your spirit, that you would, you would bring healing. God, we, we speak to cancer and tell it to leave in Jesus' name. God, we pray for, for muscle issues to be, to be resolved. Jesus, we pray for breakthrough in employment. God, we pray for breakthrough in family situations. God, we pray for a breakthrough for people who we've given up hope of ever knowing you. God, we pray that they will, they will come to know you. Jesus, we stand here today and we say, we know that we are not a mighty God, but we serve and are in relationship with a God who is mighty. And so Jesus, in your power, would you come and would you move in these situations, we pray. Amen.